all the old habits of my life started coming back. And I was a mess. And my mess affected our life. I started treating Carol poorly, very badly, because I was miserable. He saw a very angry man, and it was hard because he was just angry a lot. And there was no appreciation for me. In fact, there were insults coming towards me at times. And so I felt alone and isolated. I felt unvalued again and unloved. I didn't know what to do. I considered ending my life. It was just very hard. This is Behind Our Smiles. Pursuing connection. And finding joy. Even in the struggle. And welcome back to another episode of the Behind Our Smiles podcast. We're Joe and Tara. And today we have a treat for you. Yes, some very special guests, and we're so excited about this. Yeah, so these are our friends, Brian and Carol Pussell. We know them from doing marriage ministry with them at our church. And we are so excited for you to hear their story because if you saw them, they are just the people sitting next to you at church. They are just a happily married couple. They've been together for 40 years. You know they have it all together. Their family is beautiful. <laughs> the way they smile at each other. And they do, but it hasn't always been that way. No, there's a huge story behind their smiles. In fact, they encountered some obstacles that almost ended mm-hmm. their marriage early on. Like, for instance, when God <laughs> entered the equation. And what's interesting is because usually when God enters the equation, <laughs> the opposite happens. But their story so good mm-hmm. about how um, God radically does things in our marriage, and for them, it was an earth-shattering And experiencing thing. change to just an amazing level to see God change somebody um, in so many different ways is a great story to hear. So not to waste any more time, um, we know we're going to enjoy your time with Brian and Carol. And maybe a great place to start is right at the beginning. Yes. Brian, do you want to share a little bit about your childhood sure. and what that was like? When I was between the ages of four and seven, I lived in uh, Mm -hmm. Germany. My dad was a career military guy, and I have a lot of good memories of that time. Even though I was young, it it was a lot of fun living there. And then we moved back to the States when my dad got out of the service and grew up in the Joliet area. It was a fun childhood, but I started noticing when I was seven or eight years old that my parents didn't get along really good. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of problems. They never really knew how to resolve resolve conflict. There was a lot of yelling and it just wasn't very pleasant. So it just kind of escalated into my teen years. By the time I was an early teenager, I turned to drugs and drinking just to deal with the terrible environment in the home. I mean, we were taken care of. We had a nice house to live in and we were nicely fed and all that. The day-to-day living was very stressful I remember going to other friends' houses and just wishing that our family had a normal relationship like these families did. That's what I really wished for all those years. My dad would have to work away from home either weeks or months at a time. So that gave me the opportunity to get away with a lot of things because my mom wouldn't tell him because Mm. she was afraid that he would explode and it would make the situation worse for her. And the more I got away with, the more it encouraged me to do more bad things. Right. Now, at the time, did it feel good to get away with those things? Or do you wish, like, especially looking back, that there were more boundaries in place? Well, yeah, boundaries. I didn't like boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) That's a nice way of putting it. (laughs) I still kind of don't like boundaries. Boundaries are for wimps. (laughs) But I think that came from my mom and dad not being together on how to discipline us mm-hmm. and how to set How many boundaries. kids were there in the family? Uh, three kids. Okay. I was the middle child. 
my brother's three years older, my sister's five years younger. So how did early on your relationship with God, you guys went to church, but what was that like for you? Well, we went to church on a regular basis. I had no relationship with God. I did not know Jesus Christ. It was just a thing we did. And I think I assumed just because I was a part of that religion that I was going to go to heaven. Mm. I, I never thought anything different, even until my adult years before I got saved. I figured go to confession, I'm good for a while, and and that was it. So then at the end of high school, you're pushing all boundaries. What happens when you're looking at your future? Well, I I really didn't have much of a plan (laughs) when I was in high school. I was just mostly trying to get through the week. I was just mostly looking forward to the weekend and having a good time, forgetting about things that went on during the week at home. You stayed in your parents' house until how long? Until I was 18 years old. After high school, I went to one year of junior college, and right after that, I moved out. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't wait to get out of the house. Did your parents stay married? Well, I remember when I was 10 years old, they were going to get a divorce, and my dad told me that, that I would have to pick who I was going to live with, and it just devastated me. Mm -hmm. And I cried so much that he decided not to go along, so they stayed together. But the after effects was pretty terrible because they never resolved. In fact, it just kept escalating worse and worse mm-hmm. in the home. And the, the reason they got back together was convenience. Right. It was just more convenient for them to live together economically. Yeah. Right. And his mom really didn't know how to do things yeah. on her own. So, Carol, what was your childhood like? So I was also a middle, middle child. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. My earliest memory was being on my dad's shoulders on the beach. Mm-hmm. But then my mother decided to leave our family and divorce my dad. How that old was, were you at this time? I was three years old. Okay, wow. So my dad and my brother and my sister flew back to Illinois, and my grandparents and my dad uh, raised us. And then your dad eventually remarried. Yes. He remarried when I was about 10. And I was kind of excited about it because, you know, I was the girl that didn't have a mom. And so I was pretty excited about them getting married. And that was good until I was probably a teenager. We went to church. I was confirmed in the Lutheran church. And like Brian, I um, believed in heaven and God. And I believed I was going Mm -hmm. to heaven. And things changed as I became a teenager. My dad and my stepmom had their own daughter. And so her focus was not on us at all. And it was mostly towards her own daughter. Now, at this point, do you have any contact at all with your biological mother or is that cut off? Uh-huh. 100%? So, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's really hard. Yeah, probably once a year, maybe once every other year I would see her. Because your memories of her before you're three I years old. I have no memories of her nothing. before I was three years old and before uh-huh. that. None. Did your dad even talk about her? Or was it kind of like she no, never my existed? Dad, my dad would never talk about her. Right. So then you have the stepmom in your life now who you're hoping to be a mother figure in your life, but in the teen years. It deteriorated. Teenagers can um, <laughs> test your patience. And I suppose I did test her patience. There was no communication. There was no hugging. There was no I love yous. And I suppose I would have some attitude. And... I also lost my friend, my one friend. I lost her because of girl stuff. You know how girls are. I spent my whole senior year basically at home reading, not talking to my family. So you went to church. Your dad brought you to church. But what was your relationship with God like at that time? I respected God. I understood the sacrifice Jesus made for me on the cross. 
And I believed because I was confirmed and I, I had that knowledge and, and belief that I um, was going to heaven. I didn't have a personal relationship with him. It wasn't important to me to read a Bible, but it wasn't, there was no personal relationship with God. Then what happens as your teen years are coming to a close? I'm not talking to my mother or my dad or my sister, and I'm all alone, and I started talking to my birth mother. Reached out to her, and she asked me to move to San Francisco. And so a week from the day I graduated high school, I left Illinois and flew to San Francisco. And how did things go with your mom that year? Was it everything you hoped it would be or wanted it, was it to cool. be? It okay. was cool hanging an adult out with now. my mom. She's very intelligent, very sociable. I had some advantages in that. I had some perks in that. And I went to college for a year there. And then she moved away and I stayed in San Francisco mm-hmm. because my sister moved out there with me a year later. So what brought you back to Illinois? Um, Debt. yeah my sister and i we racked up some debt and we decided to go home and Mm -hmm. you're living in joliet when brian comes into your life and there was something about the weather that brought you guys together right (laughs) yes i'll let brian go yeah in 1981 there was a tremendous amount of rain in a couple days in the joliet Illinois area. The east and west sides of Joliet were flooding. I mean, the streets were full of water. I I remember people canoeing down a lot (laughs) of the streets that we would drive down. I was 19 at the time, and a lot of people had flooding in lower level apartments and basements and that. And so there was a girl that I had been going out with that she lived on a lower level three flat. So me and a buddy of mine were going to go there and, and help them just clean up or take furniture out, whatever had to be done. We got there, and they were not there. And right across the hallway was Carol and her sister. And they caught our eye, and my buddy said, hey, look in there. There's a couple girls in there, you know? <laughs> the, reason, the reason he could see us is because we had our door open to air out the apartment. So anyway, we're, we're walking out, and my friend Doug started talking to Carol's sister, right? Is that how mm-hmm. it happened? Well, Brian, we, we saw these guys and my sister is very outgoing and she invited them in <laughs> for a beer. I don't know why we had beer in our refrigerator because we never drink yeah. beer. And myself, I was very thirsty that day and I just wanted to, I just kept telling my buddy, let's go, let's go to the bar. I want to get a beer. Oh, it's yeah, hot. So they said, oh, we have a few beers. So we stayed for several hours and I was very attracted to Carol. thought she was very beautiful, funny, smart. And I asked her to go out with me that next weekend. We got to talk in that evening and just liking each other a little more. So you the, felt the same way, Carol, pretty much? With no. the timing? Okay, no. Because <laughs> he walks in the door and says, I like this girl. Yeah. I think I was still in love with an old guy friend. And, and Brian, he just wasn't my cup of tea, you know? <laughs> but he grew on me. He, he, was so, he was so funny. He just made me laugh and... He was very persistent. Yeah. So you went out with him. You said, I'll give him a chance. Yeah. I gave him a chance. I didn't have anything else to do. (laughs) So I went out with him and, and yeah, we hit it off. Here's what really won you over to me after that was uh, (laughs) at the party, I asked her to go camping with me the next weekend. I think it was a July 4th weekend. 
I used to camp all the time. In fact, me, my brother, and my dad, we went camping all the time. My dad even had his old pup tents from the Army he brought mm-hmm. back with him. But anyway, so she agreed to go camping with me, tent camping. Can I talk about my first impression about that? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> he had this tent. It was like a circus tent. It was orange. It had a striped canopy. It was huge. But he was so good at this. He had all the supplies. He had the stove. He had the propane. He had a propane light. He had frying pans. He made eggs for me in the morning. It was, I was so impressed with his camping skills. Yeah, that's That's what drew you to him. As an aside, did your buddy ever you know, hook up with um, uh, your sister? Was that a... Well, for a we short tr- time, almost. we really tried to, <laughs> but it didn't quite work out. Their timing out. was off. Anyway, so you guys are pitted off and you're falling in love. Yep. We uh, saw each other every day. Every like, day. And he slept over. We weren't Christians then. Mm-hmm. He went home, what, to get a lunch packed I, by your mom? I would go home <laughs> in the morning to get my lunch to go to work. And take a quick shower. And then as soon as I come home from work, I went right back over to Carol's. So three months later. Three months after we met, we were engaged. Wow. So you proposed. No. 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 No, there was no proposal. There was a general sense of we were just talking about the future, you yeah. know, and we just figured we were going to be together. But was it there was a ring a or anything like well, that? Well, there was a ring. Uh, but at the time, I was still technically a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I was 19 years old, and Carol did not know I was 19 years no. old. I had a, a fake idea at the time, so I never really... <laughs> the, the information uh, we're just learning. Was the name the same on your fake ID? Oh, no, it was actually my brother's information, oh. my picture. I didn't know he was three years younger than me, or I wouldn't... Probably never gone out. We would have never went out. Mm. That subject never really came up until we got engaged. (laughs) (laughs) And she found out my age and what? So the ring? I didn't have any money back then. I didn't have anything. And uh, I just got out of school, but I had just received word that I was accepted into the apprenticeship of the electrical union. So I knew that I had a job (laughs) coming. And my dad knew. That he was going to be an electrician and he thought that was good because they had good benefits. There we mm. go. So we went ring shopping and I <laughs> looked at Carol's and well, how are we gonna pay for this? You know, and well, we just put it on her credit my card. Credit oh card. wow. Now you already had debt issues though. <laughs> <laughs> no, my debt was paid off. Okay. Okay. <laughs> my dad helped me pay it off and then I paid him back. Yeah, it was kind yeah. of ridiculous. Here I am, nineteen years old, married gonna get married, and I didn't even have a penny to my name and I had to put the engagement ring on Carol's credit card. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. another question is obviously you're you're in love and you're practically living together. Yes. yes. Um but for both of you coming from very broken, difficult marriages, were you hesitant about marrying? Like that's kind of cool that you're like, we have to get married. That didn't have you know, any baggage I w- with. I wasn't hesitant about getting married. I wanted to be married. And and for me, I just thought that I wasn't going to do any better than Carol. <laughs> she was the girl for me. So I, as Carol said, I was very persistent <laughs> and relentless in pursuing her. She couldn't hardly even breathe. That's how much I was. So you had to put a ring on it. 
Yes. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to keep this one. So right. you guys get married. It wasn't a short we time later, right? Nine months later. Okay. So the entire time we knew each other to the time we got married was less than a year. Less than a year. Your early married life, was it as good as you were thinking? Uh, was it as good as your dating years? How did the expectations differ? Good question. Expectations. We had no expectations. <laughs> I had none whatsoever. But I did know that I didn't want a marriage like my parents had. Mm. So I just figured we'll just do everything opposite that they did and we should be fine. <laughs> we were living in a in a in a state of just carefree bliss for a few years. Ignorant bliss. Yeah, probably yes. ignorance. <laughs> did it involve Ignorant the tent? <laughs> <laughs> no. We had our son a year and a day after wow. we were married. Yeah. And then we had a daughter three years after that. So three years into your marriage, if someone had asked you, how is your marriage? Would you have said it's incredible? It's amazing. It's, yeah. it's good. And it but, was. you know, looking back, I know we had arguments. We certainly didn't know how to argue fairly. Or, and also in my life, all conflict was avoided. And no one ever talked about conflict and no one ever said they were sorry or asked for forgiveness. So I'm sure there were times where we could have handled things way better than we did. But those were day-to-day fights, nothing major, you know. And, and it was very easy living with Carol. I, to me, I, I, I felt like I had it made. She was number one in my life. Anything she wanted, I would do. Is that true, Carol? Yes, I was number one. <laughs> yeah. So things are great. Bliss is though you say, right? It was, it was incredible. Where did you start to see things begin to turn? Well, just as several years before that, that God brought us together in such an unlikely way, because we would have never got together like that. He stepped into my life in another way. I was at work and I found a brand new Bible tract. The 1980s, right? Yeah. And I read it. It was called This Was Your Life. I still have that Bible tract. And when I read that at work, it was like I was reading about me. It was a story about this guy who led a wicked life. He didn't seem like it was wicked, but as I I got extremely convicted. And by the time I finished reading that tract, I knew I wasn't going to go to heaven because of the way I was living and the way what God expected of us. So can you give us just some quick examples of things that you were doing that you felt filled out that wicked when you read that and said, that's me. What were things going? Because your marriage is great. Things are really good. What's going on? Right. Well, I, I, I liked to drink. I was doing drugs. I had a subscription to Playboy. I had a lot of, I, I didn't think before I read that tract, I really didn't think I was in bad shape. But all the scripture mm. that I read in that track, God convicted my heart that I needed to change. So Carol, real quick, and then I want you to go on, Brian. So he's doing these things. Many wives would say, I would have a problem with that, right? Do you think part of that learning the avoidance aspect of how you grew up in your past, you in your childhood, people pleasing, played like, into that, not bothering you as much? I think so. And to keep the peace. Yep. But I had a son at home to care for. So and if he was providing for you and he was, he provi- was good for you, to you in other yeah, ways. I didn't really need much more than taking care of my son, <laughs> I think, at that time. And still, like Brian said, we were we good. Were, we were good family. I was I was great with And that Nicholas. didn't bother I mean, me I, that he drank because he drank when I met him. It didn't bother me un- unless he got too drunk. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and I was with him. That was a little scary. Did you know about his pornography at that time? Yeah, I knew he got Playboy um, magazine, but I had no moral baseline to think that that was really bad. I just didn't think that was really bad at the time. It's just what men do. So you read this tract, it convicts you in a way that's probably pretty surprising, I'm guessing. Yes. What happens next? Okay. Well, that day I brought the tract home. I I showed Carol. I was excited. She wasn't excited at all. She said, what's this little cartoon? And she kind of (laughs) tossed it aside. The next day I found another different tract, read that. I had decided that my life needed to be more in line with what God would accept. So I quit drinking. I quit drugs. I canceled my subscription to Playboy, and I was doing everything that I thought was in that track that was acceptable to God. All the check boxes. Checking off all the boxes, but I still didn't know Jesus Christ. If I had read the last page or two of that tract, it would have led me to how to get saved. Solution. <laughs> yeah. But I, evidently, I didn't really pay much attention to the end. So here I went through almost a year of trying to change my life to be acceptable to God. Uh, I was getting rid of everything that I was getting pleasure from before, but it didn't get filled up right. by God or anything. And it finally came to a head one day where at work, uh, my boss told me he's going to lay me off. I said, why? He says, I just can't stand you anymore. He said, said, I don't know what happened to you this last year, but you are a totally different person. He said, you're probably the most miserable guy Mm. I know right now. And this is after this whole last year, I'm thinking that I'm doing better with my life and pleasing God. And here I'm finding out that I'm a total train wreck. There again, if I read the last page of the tract, but God always has a purpose for everything. Mm. So that night, I cried out to God. I said, for this last year, I've been trying to do everything to change my life on my own. I failed miserably. I said, I want you to take control of my life, whatever form that might be. And I just want to, I just want you to direct my life from here on out. I didn't know even what I was praying Nobody led me in a prayer of repentance. I was just repenting to God, and then I fell asleep. That next day, I woke up, and it felt like the weight of the world lifted off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. I was a new man. I could tell right away I was like a new creation, just like the Bible says. I started reading my Bible that day. I started reading my Bible three, four, five, six hours a day for months because I had to get to know the God that saved me. This was, this was a Bible you perhaps had already read or heard in church as a child, but you, you were seeing it with new eyes. Right. right. I had an old King James. Everybody had an old King James <laughs> in their house, right, Bible. And I started reading the one we had. I never really read it before. And then I was really excited. I wanted to tell Carol. <laughs> and I did tell her. And you were oh, very persuasive, I heard. <laughs> I was very persuasive. How did that persuasiveness look to you, Carol? It 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 looked bad. It it. <laughs> Since he was reading the Bible all the time, he knew scripture and he would talk scripture all the time. And he would tell me that I needed to get saved and that I wasn't going to heaven. And he even quoted the Bible verse that said, even the demons <laughs> believe in God and shudder, you know. So, and then I thought, okay, now, now you're comparing me to a demon. It caused major conflict in our in our marriage at that time. It was an ugly time. So what's something that was very, very good for Brian, though, was 
basically destroying your marriage yes. to the point where you even wanted out, right? Yes. My friends and my some of my family would say, don't worry, he'll get over it. <laughs> Just wait, he'll get over it. And I'm like, no, Brian is not getting over this. I, I know him. And so I'm like, well, the only way out of this is to leave him. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, well, how am I going to divorce him? What am I going to say? I'm, I'm leaving him because he's too holy now. <laughs> that didn't make sense to me. So I stayed. But like, at this point, you're just living with him. You're not talking. No. And all. we have another child, too. We have a daughter now, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. yeah. The Lord really gave me the, the gift of evangelism right, <laughs> right away when I got saved. So I'm telling everybody, guys at work, my family, nobody in my family was saved. Nobody at that time knew the Lord. All right. Brian wanted to save everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted day. to tell everybody. <laughs> yeah. And I told just about everybody. And I and, and I figured the more I talked to people, the more I needed to know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So that just got me to read more. But Carol, I really probably was a little bit heavy handed on her for a while. I know I was actually, but back then I didn't think so. Well, and I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like Brian, you know, I wasn't a drinker or I was Do you easy to get along at with. At that point in your life, things were fine. You were yeah. raising your kids. Yeah. And What's I, the reason to change? And I believed in God mm-hmm. and I believed I was going to heaven. So I didn't know why I had to change. I love how God continues to pursue us. And as Carol contemplated the single greatest decision of her life, God wasn't done with the two of them, not by a long shot. And we'll hear more of their incredible story in one minute after a word from our sponsor. When it comes to your health care provider, what are some words you would use to describe your experience with them? Comfort? Peace? Confidence? Well, at Samaritan Ministries, those are just some of the words our members use frequently. Like Samaritan member, former long-term board member, and now staff member Jamie Piles uses to describe his 24-year relationship with Samaritan Ministries. It's hard to put words into the comfort and the relief and the peace that you have as you've come to terms that Samaritan Ministries is real, it's viable, and it's working, and it's there. We just thank God that He's allowed us to have that kind of peace to be in a situation where I can focus on things that are far more important than what are we going to do about healthcare. Want to be part of a growing, caring community of Christians who faithfully share each other's medical needs each month, all without the use of insurance? Find out more at SamaritanMinistries.org slash smiles. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash smiles. I heard a story or or maybe you shared about you went to a church with Brian and you found out that his friends or people that he's going to church with were praying for you. Right. We were going to the Lutheran church together and he found a church in a different community and started going there and I refused to go with him. So I brought our daughter to the Lutheran church and Brian brought our son, to the (laughs) Bible church, and he was going to get baptized, he told me, and he really wanted me to come. I said, okay, I'll come. And the people there just, it was so different. It was just a different experience. People were joyful. People talked to one another. It was loud. And Brian told me people were praying for me, and I said, I don't don't need anybody praying for me. Mm -hmm. But eventually... The Holy Spirit worked on my heart. I I was there more times after that, and God just kept saying, give up your life, confess. And I would do that, but I wouldn't tell anybody that I'd done it. And I definitely didn't tell Brian because then he would think that he had something to do with my salvation. You know what I mean? And so 
that continued for a while until um, one day I'm like, well, why do I keep asking God to do this? How am I going to know for sure if I'm saved or not? So I didn't speak to my husband, but I spoke to our pastor and he agreed to baptize me because he said that because I explained to him what I was feeling and how that I confessed to God. And he said, you, you're saved. You don't have to keep repeating the prayer, over the and sinner's over again. prayer. And I said, okay. Um, and so I got saved and I got baptized. Now, how is your relationship at this point? We're still not that close. Oh, not we're talking. not really close because she never revealed yet to me that she accepted the Lord as her savior. So at some point, Brian, did you kind of back off from the sales pitch and just let it be? Like, how did you? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I mean, eventually I toned it down, yeah. especially when she started coming to church there. And, and then I figured she's hearing the gospel. She's hearing, yeah. you know, the truth. And I don't need to tell her that <laughs> truth anymore. Well, I, you know, not like I was anyway. So how did you find out that she actually had accepted Christ? She told me one day. That I was going to get baptized. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> that was it. Uh, how, right? what, was your, what was your reaction to that? I was, I, I couldn't believe it. I was floored. I, I was extremely happy. I, I was hoping that it was going to happen, but I didn't know. Because I prayed every day that God would lead me to a church where I could worship him and where the truth was being preached. And it was about a year later than I, than I found that Bible church. And the first day I was in the church, I knew I was where I needed to be. I felt such a peace. I saw mm-hmm. all these families worshiping together. And that's the one thing I wanted the most. I wanted our family to be able to worship God mm-hmm. together. And when I found out that Carol got saved, it just, Not I couldn't, I can't explain yeah. the feeling that was. What did that revelation do for your marriage? Actually, I was pregnant with our, our youngest when I got saved. And was kind of a little miraculous. Oh, <laughs> she was a miracle baby because the whole year before that, we had no relations at all. We, no. were, we were in a bad spot. You know. We were living like roommates in our house. Yeah, there was no physical intimacy at all. Except for once. one time. <laughs> Except for one time. Hello, Rachel. So did the marriage slowly get better from this the point? The marriage got continually better from okay. that point I'd on. I'd say quickly better. Yeah. Quickly, because just I, we had the same goals now. We were in the same church. We had the same God. We had the same friends. We're studying the Bible together. We're worshiping God together. Our kids were all together as one family unit. We're, we joined a small group. We're having fellowship. Our life basically got turned around mm-hmm. during that time. And our marriage, we, we became very strong in our marriage again. How long did that last before... That changed. The change, yeah, happened again. <laughs> Approximately 10 years, and then we had another downturn. You think you're coasting, right? You think, okay, it's, we're yeah, coasting, everything's good. things are good, yep. and then all of a sudden things are not good. Mm-hmm. So what happens now? All right, so we're, we're living a, a great life as a Christian family, and the church is going great, and we're in ministry together, and our present pastor had left to God was calling him somewhere else, and so we got another pastor coming in. And I, I had been on the leadership board for several years, and I thought that the direction that our new pastor wanted to go was not the direction that this church should be going. So at the time, I didn't realize it, but my pride was swelling mm-hmm. in me, thinking that I, I knew a better way. It wasn't just that, but I, I started to dislike the new pastor who just came in. 
Eventually, we left that church, the church that God had brought me to. We left with many families and we started a new church. That went fine for a couple years. But at the same time, when that was going on, I still held bad feelings to the pastor at that church. And all of a sudden, in one day, a great anxiety come over me. I thought I was going through a midlife crisis. I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't make right decisions. I became anxious. My life just started crumbling. And there was no reason that it should have because everything else was going good. I I couldn't even get out of my own head. And I just kept going downhill. I, I, I remember asking people at church to pray for me. They were praying for me. Nobody really knew what was going on. And I was just in an awful state. And it just kept getting worse. So back to what you were saying, it's so interesting how we can allow something to come into our lives like pride, and it begins to erode the things that God has built. So this led to some past behaviors being reintroduced at this time. And in fact, even during that time when I was really on fire for the Lord, I used to think to myself, how can people, once they've been serving the Lord for all these years, how can they all of a sudden have a downturn in their life? You know, I couldn't understand it. Well, God, he he showed me real (laughs) quick how that could happen. And I had a big downturn. All them old habits in my life started coming back. Eventually, I stepped down from leadership in that church, and we eventually, we left that church. And we just floundered around for several years, going church to church, never really involved in a small group or any ministries. And I was a mess. And my mess affected our life. I started treating Carol poorly, very badly, because I was miserable. So although it was invisible to the outside world, did you know that? What did you see from your perspective? I saw a very angry man, and it was hard because he was just angry a lot, and there was no appreciation for me. In fact, there were insults coming towards me at times. And so I felt alone and isolated. I felt unvalued again and unloved. I didn't know what to do. I considered ending my life. It was just very hard. I had to protect my our kids because he would lash out at them as well. Mm-hmm. Then we lived again as roommates again, just roommates. I, I lost my peace when that happened. I didn't lose my faith, mm-hmm. but I knew that my relationship with the Lord was severely damaged. In fact, I had a extremely hard time reading the Bible. I could hardly even read it because the words weren't even entering my mind. I, prayers just bounced right back at me. I was, I was a real mess. And I knew it. And I didn't know what the problem, I still didn't know what the problem was. I want you to get to that in a second, but I want to ask Carol this quick question. So these past behaviors that kind of came back, your past habits, the first time through this, you weren't a Christian and there was no moral compass, so it didn't bother you very much. How did it affect you the second time through now that you know that there's a moral compass, you have a relationship with God, your husband has a relationship with God? How does that impact you at this time? So the drinking still didn't bother me so much. The behavior that accompanied that, I had never experienced before. I never felt unloved by Brian mm-hmm. before until then. Because it was, it was just plain being mean. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was an invalidating. And if I had said something to Brian about his drinking, he would have attacked me. So I went inside. Yeah. I was within myself. There, I didn't. I tried not to say anything or do anything that would 
antagonize him and in turn get hurt again. And of course that hurts your closeness. After several months, I knew I had to do something because I was, I was going crazy. I was like, I cannot live like this anymore. So I started changing things in my life. Anything, it's like, it's like hitting a rack of pool balls. Mm-hmm. I, it's like, that's what I did. I said, I got to try something, anything. So I just did this and that, different things in my life just to get out of the pattern to get me thinking right again so I wouldn't think that way so anymore. So what was the root in the end that you found that was causing this distress? So after several years... How many years did we live like that? Seven years. It kind of it reminds me how Nebuchadnezzar was living like a wild what? beast for seven for years. For context too, your three kids are still living at home? Yep. Okay, this yep. is near their teenagers. Teenagers. Yeah, we got teenagers. Our son got married in the church that we left. We hadn't set foot in that church for many years. The first church you left. The first church that we left. He was called to. Mm, So here we are. They're getting married there. So we go go in the church and we had the wedding and it was very nice. They were very gracious that we could have the wedding there, even though that we had left and we were part of this church split and all that. And then our son and his wife were attending there. And we figured, well, we were just bouncing around. We started attending there with them. It lasted about one month, and then they left to start help start another church <laughs> for the right reasons. So they had the right motives, and, and they left <laughs> after a month. And Carol and I are just looking at each other. What do we I do now? I cried when they said they were leaving yeah. because— that was our one tie to the church that, <laughs> that we were going to start. I looked at Carol. I said, "We are not following them to that church." I said, "We're gonna, we're gonna stay here, and we're gonna try we to make this." We'd ones. already been to two other churches. No, more, more than that. So anyway, we saw this pastor that we thought we'd like to get to know, and his wife. So we start talking with him. We got in their small group, and in that small group is where I learned that I was hitting a wall, so to speak, a spiritual wall. I was emotionally unhealthy. Mm. And I didn't know that until we started in this study in a small group. Then I started realizing something's really wrong with me. But it wasn't until a few months later where a good friend of mine, a Christian, he sat down with me, we were talking, and he told me, he says, you've got a pride issue, you've got a dislike issue for a minister of God that you have no right to hold. And he just told me like it was. And I didn't want to hear it, but I did listen. And that night I went home and I did confess to God. I asked his forgiveness for the pride in my heart, thinking I knew how to lead a church better than a pastor who has been around, a pastor for 40-some years. And uh and also for the bad feelings I felt for him. So I confessed to God and I felt the same, almost the same as it was when I got saved, <laughs> that weight lifted off my shoulders. The next day, I called the pastor, went and talked to him, confessed to him, asked for his forgiveness. And just like my life changed overnight when I got saved, my life changed back again to following the Lord almost overnight. When I confessed my pride to the Lord. Did you notice a difference in him? Right yes. Carol. Yeah, it was better. But did your marriage start to heal too from that seven-year rift of yes. conflict it, and all it those? It healed. It healed. But when I think back about it, I don't think Brian real, really realized how much I was hurt as well. Mm. So there really was no confession or apology to me at the time. Mm-hmm. 
but I didn't feel like I needed it because we were just we started going along it was better. Well. It was better. But we hadn't really addressed those no, things that didn't. happened no. in the dark times. Correct. Right. right. So how did that come to be? <laughs> well, that came to be as a <laughs> part of the marriage ministry right. yes. we uh, participated in. And we uh, started leading groups in this re-engage ministry mm-hmm. that we were invited to be a part of. That's where we, our, our paths crossed. Yes, yep. right. Mm-hmm. Yep. We had to go through this book. So we did the study at the same time as our participants did. Right, and you were leading a, a small we group through the study. We were leading a small okay. group a six, for 16 weeks. Right. And when we had to address all these issues because that, yep. those were things in the book that you you had to talk about your past, talk about your hurts, talk mm-hmm. about things you hadn't um, resolved, right? resolved, seek forgiveness. We learned so much. It's amazing that we were married almost 35 years and there was concepts in marriage that we didn't, we never put into practice. Like they did come with the instruction manual for marriage, right? <laughs> you know, right. the communi- for me, communication was a big thing. Just opening up our hearts to one another, praying together. We had our own individual spiritual lives, but then we started praying together. Uh, the grace, forgiveness, humility, all these things that we learned how to deal with with our spouse. God used all that to bring us closer than we've ever been before in our life. So Carol, like what was the biggest lesson that you had to kind of walk through those years of digging in? The first the one I, opener. The first one I would say would be um communication. Mm-hmm. I learned that I was an avoider and a withdrawer. If Brian and I had a conflict, he would yell and I would withdraw and just not talk about it or give him the silent treatment. And then time would pass and we'd just get over it. So that was my first big lesson. Because you really never got over it because the hurt was still there. Yeah. It had to be dealt with. Yeah. yeah. I guess deep down it was still there. How about you, Brian? What did God convict you of in those years of examining yourself? Well, I think during those years before I came to realize that I needed to confess my sin of pride, the problem was we had no real fellowship with other Christians. Sure, we still got together with Christians, but we weren't in a small group. I wasn't confiding in anybody about it. So we I never had received the counsel that I should have been seeking. Mm. And we were just floundering for that time. So I would say definitely if if anybody comes across and and you're feeling any of those kind of feelings, talk to other Christians, Mm -hmm. talk to your pastor, talk to a church leader, a small group. Uh, It's so vitally important because I I didn't have that feedback and I kind of languished a while because of that. Because I because until that time, I really didn't know, I honestly didn't know what was going on with me those seven years. Right. When you were asked to kind of share your story, you know, you're thinking to yourself, okay. Yeah, Brian and I, <laughs> at that time, we thought we had it all together. Like mm-hmm. we were supposed to rate our marriage and Brian rated a, a 10 and I said a nine. But as we went through the lessons, <laughs> we learned that we weren't that healthy, you know, and, but it was so great because we had such practical instruction and we really started to develop better habits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we experienced the same thing. I I think we rated our marriage higher. We really honestly thought it was this good. And then we went through that first 17 weeks, we were leading other couples, but we were like learning just as much, if not more and going, whoa, our marriage is probably not necessarily (laughs) as healthy as we, we thought it was. Yeah. 
Yeah, the um, truth of the being leaders again and again is we need more practice. We need, yeah. we need to do the lesson five times. We're like, okay, now we get it. <laughs> and then every time we would go back through the book, we'd be like, oh, I totally forgot about this. I got <laughs> to right. work on this. Oh, so. yeah. We still had to work on things. And, and we'd go, sometimes we'd have to work on things and, and ask for forgiveness the day of the our day of the class. <laughs> of <laughs> our class. It, it was always funny because at every group we've had, we always had at least one of the nights in each group that we had just a melt down of some sort <laughs> and just knowing all these principles and putting them into practice and going through re-engage and marriage it's amazing we'll be married 40 years and we still needed to learn all these things i think another one of the wonderful lessons was about forgiveness mm-hmm. and we learned instead of saying i'm sorry which is you're just talking about yourself to involve the other person and ask them, will you forgive me? And that was a big, big turning point for us. We really practiced that a lot. And yeah, and saying I'm sorry is okay, but there's got to be a will you forgive me. And I think the most natural aspect of our culture is I'm sorry that you felt that way. And then the other person says it's okay, yeah. when really it's not okay. Right. It's I'm sorry, will you forgive me and I forgive you. So looking back 40 years ago, what would you tell yourself at the altar? Like, again, all is bliss, all was good. Is there any advice you'd give to yourself? Well, you need the Lord first. <laughs> That's yeah, the very that first the thing. Okay. Yeah, no clue um, at that know, point. <laughs> seek a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's that That's would be number best, one. That's the best thing, right off. Especially right. if you're marrying Brian. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two is to get in community. Mm-hmm. To um, be in a small group made all the difference. We were in a, a really strong s- small group at the beginning of our walk, and then at the end of our, not at the end of our walk, but we're still <laughs> walking. Years, right? we're still walking. But um, right now, yeah. the problem with when I look back on our struggle during those seven years, I tried to look at my part in, in that because I know Brian likes to take the blame for the whole thing. But <clears throat> when I think back on it, I think I could have prayed more than I was praying. I could have talked to other people, sought some counsel from some godly women, but I felt isolated. I was closed in and I, you don't seek other people when you're feeling depressed. And was that also to like not wanting to admit the, and that then, there were problems? And then there's that, you know, you don't want to look bad. You don't want to portray your marriage as troubled and you don't want to make your husband look bad in front of other people. And I'm glad you brought that up. There's a measure of pride. There was a measure of pride there yet, even with me, because even years ago, I wouldn't want to ever talk about any anything bad in our marriage. Like everything's fine. You know, I, I wouldn't want to. But it wasn't until I learned to share my struggles with other believers that the real yeah. healing came in our in our marriage, in myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was carrying stuff for years. Mm-hmm. You just don't know until you come to that point. And and it's a double thing because as you share your struggle, you encourage them. They share their struggle. And all of a sudden we realize struggle is normal and it maximizes the potential of hope. What, what we do now when we get a new group, the first meeting to the second meeting, we share our story. We share, we open up with our group and that helps them to be able to share and say, hey, these guys, they got problems too. <laughs> you know, they're the leaders in a group, but now we feel comfortable and it's made all the difference in the world. That's awesome. So let me ask you this real quick as we wrap up. Um, big question, you ready? Brian, what about Carol? <laughs> makes you smile. There's a lot of things. I still love hanging out with Carol. Uh, we're retired now, mm-hmm. 
so we have more time to spend together. And we do a lot of things together. It, it could be as simple as something as playing backgammon together, right? Mm-hmm. Going swimming, going on a bike ride, watching Carol interact with our grandchildren mm. and how much they love her. I've never been this happy in my life. I notice you've been married 40 years and all I have to do is say the name Carol and you <laughs> smile. <laughs> how many grandkids? We have seven grandkids. Seven wonderful grandkids. Oh, and Carol, what makes you smile about Brian? Well, he is funny, but that's <laughs> not what I, I would say. I would say my love language is our words of affirmation and acts of service. And when he says something really sweet and kind to me, mm-hmm. that lifts me up. You know, you look pretty. You, what a great job. What would I do without you? That mm-hmm. always makes me smile. But he finishes a honeydew list like <laughs> lickety split. <laughs> okay. I All I have to do is say, you know, I need this and, and it's done. I have, he's wonderful that way. And he's just considerate, affirming. Those things make me smile. Mm. That's so good. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, opening up, being vulnerable today, sharing uh, your story. We know it's going to be so encouraging to so many others. Uh, and I've learned some things just listening to you today. It's it's amazing because when I look back on my own marriage, not to get into this big, but pride too for me, it, that's the root of, of a lot of the issues that we've had over the years. And so I appreciate you sharing honestly about that. And, and the other big things that I heard were intentionality, to be intentional and to work. Hard work really does pay off. Mm, absolutely. But thank you guys for being with us today. We're so pleasure. grateful you asked us. Thank you. Wow. Mm. Thank you so much, Brian and Carol. That was amazing. And you guys were just so honest with all parts of your story, the good and the bad. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the the honesty mm-hmm. and uh, vulnerability, uh, humility by which they shared was very inspiring. Well, in talking to them, we, t- we talked about how they learned to tell their story and you know, yeah. understanding what God had done in their life and even how open they are with their kids and their grandkids and people in the church that were involved. They're like, hey, this is what God did. It's all good. So I'm like, are you okay with it being on a podcast? And they said, yes. So thank you so much for being willing to share your story. And one of the things that really stood out to me was how pride Mm -hmm. can look so different, but it has the same destruction Mm -hmm. no matter where it's implemented. And I love how Brian was so honest in the way that he shared about how pride got in there. And it it really seemingly came out of of nowhere. It came Mm -hmm. out of a, a situation that, he was justified in the mm-hmm. way that he felt initially, but because he held on to that pride, it began to not only infect the area that was most prominent mm-hmm. uh, causing the pride, but it also infected his marriage and his relationship with his kids. Right, because you think there's some obvious marriage killers, but really often pride is at the root of it. And so I think their story really exemplifies how having that pride at the root and even Carol's version of things saying too, I was prideful and then you combine them together and you almost lose your marriage. And so Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that God did redeem them, brought them to a better place. They are busy, you know, raising, not raising, but spending time with their grandkids and their kids and they dance together in the garage. They're just amazing people. And I know you enjoyed your time with them. And I've heard their story several times before, and I was still inspired, uh, was able to take a few mm-hmm. things away and, and did lear, learn some things from their yeah. story today. And so God's really not done with them yet either. Right. They say they still have some growing to do, and I love yes. that. So next week, we're going to be working out. Oh, really? So get ready for a workout. We got to work know. it out. Oh, yeah. We always work it out? Yes, we're going to yeah. always work it out. So we'd love to connect with you. We are on Facebook at Behind Our Smiles and we're on Instagram at Behind Our Smiles Pod. And your five-star rating and or review is not only inspiring and encouraging to Tara and I, but it inspires others to 
even try the podcast. So thank, thank, you, you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thanks to our producer, Mark Stubanger. Couldn't do it without him. Really grateful. And also to our amazing sponsor, Samaritan Ministries. They are a health care sharing ministry. They connect hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation who care for one another spiritually and financially whenever a medical need arises. Their direct member to member sharing approach is one of the many joys of being a Samaritan member. Uh, there are no network restrictions. It's affordable. You can join today and you can find out more at samaritanministries.org smiles.